Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show. Episode 48 coming at you from the Meaner True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm the host and producer, Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me in person this week, Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how are you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Not joining us this week due to some parenting conflicts. Justin Dahl, he's usually a pretty integral part of our show. Hasn't been here the last couple weeks, but we hope we always say we hope he's back next week. Do we really hope he's back, though? I mean, he gives us a little bit more conflict. He gives us some terrible takes to make fun of, some laughs, some yucks. He has to yell at me, so I guess it's all good. Yeah, it, like I said, it's one of our highest rated things when he's yelling at you guys. You're yelling back and forth at each other. I'm just sitting here trying to keep the peace. If, you, to, just, if you had better takes, I wouldn't have to yell at him. I'm kind of scared what's going to happen when he comes back, like when he's actually in studio and like you guys are so close to each other. Because at least when it was at your place in the old Ming and True Value Riverwood Gallery Studio, Studio One, there was a little separation. You're not going to have much separation here. That's fine. Like things might get thrown and this is a very small room. That's good. Yeah, sure. I mean, we got to get the, the video. We got to get the video going. It's all. Point. It's all about the rating. Get the GoPro going for that. Be all great about, content. All about the rating. So, with that said, episode forty-eight. Here we're alive and well. Ramsey and I both thriving. Ramsey, you look like you got a little sun. Not really. No. I'm just naturally. Uh, You're. You are a little a natural shade of. You are kind of naturally glowingly tan, but a little bit more than usual right now. Ramsey, where were you the last couple of days? In an airport. And a desert. And well, a desert. That's that sun. You wanna? What about are we it? gonna? Are we just teasing it right now? We'll get to it in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So we start off the episode with what we always start off with our partners over at Raise Energy. Code repsports.com, Code root four R O O T number four. I got. I finally got my Frankenstein flavor. Remember how we were talking about we were expecting a time to be like the pitch black Mountain Dew right. flavor? It's not. That's disappointing. No, 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 no. It's better. And it's limited edition. It's actually gone off the shelves now, so you can't get your hands on it anymore. So you're saying you shouldn't have drank it. You should have... Uh, I still have two cans left. You should throw it up on eBay for those raised addicted people. I could. I'm not going to because it is really good. It's a really... I don't want to say weird because Weird Style has a, a bad connotation to it. It's kind of a mixture of like a sour watermelon, but also like fun dip. Like, you know, like the Wonka Fun Dip. You'd get like a Valentine's Day or whatever, birthday parties. Raisin just has amazing flavors. They all have a new flavor too, didn't they? I was going to say, week? new flavor dropped last week, and that's why Frank and Sour kind of got kicked to the curb because they sold out of it. Berries and cream. Got my shipment coming in. Hopefully that should be here. Berries and cream. Yeah, that's what berries they got. And cream. The berries and cream song. The little lad. Little yeah, berries little and lad. lad. Yeah, so Raise Energy, RepSports.com. Get your free four pack or just pay for shipping. It's $10. Ten dollars try it out. Best ten bucks over spend. And then Wow, maybe not the best ten bucks over spend, but pretty good. Yeah. And while you're there, they've got their raised cakes, their protein like dessert basically. You've got protein pancakes, you've got sleep, sleep supplements. supplements, you've got pre-workout, and then all the awesome regular flavors arrays that you can try out there. Try them out. Get 15% off your order, code root four R O O T number four. And also our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight. Ramsey, last Thursday night, we had a terrible game to watch. Thursday night football. Jets-Colts. You know how you make that game interesting? By Go playing touchdown thrust. Play a touchdown dance. And you know who walked away with 20 bucks? I'm going to guess uh, Eric. That'd be Eric. Got a little Jonathan Taylor action. 
put two and a half to over or more or less two and a half touchdowns times form prize multiplier. Two and a half touchdowns, so you need three to win. Little Michael Pittman Jr., little Jonathan Taylor. You're done by halftime. And you're gonna take Sean out for a nice uh, a nice dinner. Nice dinner, a couple drinks, maybe. You know, that's your rent money if you really play it right. If you really if you really want to go into the daily fantasy sports, obviously play responsibly. But that's rent money if you're really playing it right. I mean, that's enough to have a good time at the bar. Dinner, bar, whatever. You name it. That's that's more money in your pocket. You can have a little bit more fun with it. You're not necessarily accounted for. We're just saying that if you listen to the show and you just pay a little bit of attention to who we talk about, you're going to go home richer every Sunday. Every Sunday. Thursdays, Mondays, Saturdays, because they got college games out there too. Yeah, just don't put wagers on contests. The Badgers. Actually, at this point, you might as well. They're scoring nonstop. We'll get to that a little bit later in the episode, though. So with that, we look at what we had rooted for. This is sponsored by Fanatics. Whether you're on top of the world, maybe you're a Kyle Larson fan in the world of NASCAR. Maybe you're a Badger fan, number 18 team in the country. Or maybe you're, you're a Packer fan. You know, there's still a lot of good things going on with the Packers, even coming off the loss at 7-2. and two. Plenty of stuff out there. Show your love for your team. Hashtag love on top of the world. Or at the bottom... Show your love for your team. Fanatics, love on. Ramsey, what'd you root for? Uh, NASCAR Championship weekend. We uh, flew out to Phoenix, Arizona to go to the Championship NASCAR race okay. on Sunday. Wonderful venue. Um, that's probably one of the most beautiful tracks I've ever been to. Okay. Literally in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Mountains all around. Just an absolutely gorgeous view. Mm-hmm. To go watch an NASCAR set. Now, I want to I ask you this. Before we started recording, you asked me, how did it present on TV? And it, I mean, for the most part, because they record or they film inside out. They film from the, in, you know, the interior part of the track outside. And then some camera angles are down and from the outside. So you get a little bit of both, right? So I, I'm curious on why you asked that. Anytime you go to a NASCAR specifically, like... Football generally, if you're a true football fan, you can go to a football game and you can watch football and you understand what's going on. Yep. Usually if you want to watch product on TV, it's usually a little better. It's a little easier to understand on TV. Mm -hmm. But football translates pretty good across. Yep. NASCAR translates totally different. Okay. Because where you sit, you have a different viewpoint of the track at all times. Right. And how, when you go to an event like that, especially like a championship event that I've come to find, I was a lot higher on the event than I saw a lot of other people be on it. Okay. So it's always hard to, for me to like say, that, that was probably one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. Probably the best sporting event I've ever been to. Wow. It's, it was one of the most electric, just feelings in the air to watch all the guys walk out with the championship trophy and... And, I mean, really, it came down to the final lap. You had all four guys, or all four guys were in the top five. Yeah. I mean, at any point, any one of those different guys, I think most, I think all four of them led the race at one point or another. I don't think Denny did. You're right. And and He might have been second at one point, though. I think he was in contention to win it at one point, though. Like, he would have had the best finish. See, and, you know, 
from where I was sitting, and this is why, I, you know, it's always hard to review a race you've been to because your opinion, obviously, it could be different from what the actual perspective was on TV. Right. In my opinion, Chase Elliott had probably the best car all day. Okay. He, it seemed, though, at the end of the race, he couldn't run a higher line than everyone else could mm-hmm. after the sun went away. Okay. So it seemed like, to me at least, the sun went away, his car tightened up, mm-hmm. and everyone else was more set for night. Because on TV, it looks really bright, right? And right. When you go to a sporting event, the cameras brighten stuff up quite a bit. Well, and they're, they're higher perspective, so they're not ground level and, and whatnot, too. So there's a million different factors in. But at the end of that race, it was almost dark. Like, almost, like, the sun was mostly set by the time we were walking out. Okay. So it was pretty dark at the end, and there was a lot more grip in the track. Mm-hmm. And that's when those Joe Gibbs cars really came to life. Yep. The Hendrick cars dominated for the first, I don't know, what, 250 laps, probably? How many laps were there? 312. Yeah, thereabouts. Probably 220. The first 220 laps were dominated between Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Yep. With about 100 to go, Chase Elliott passes Kyle Larson for the lead. Okay, yep. And I thought at that point, I'm like, this is over. Okay. Then there was a caution... If I remember right, Chase Elliott got a little behind on pit strategy. Mm-hmm. He lost two or three spots in the pits. Overran the car and never was able to get back to contention. Right. Uh, Martin Jones Jr.'s pit crew lost in the race. I mean, he he probably had the fastest car in the last 15 laps. He did. Like, statistically speaking, well, I shouldn't say that. because So, from TV perspective, because on, on TV they have the times, right? And the difference yep. between the cars. Martin Truex Jr. had the fastest car the last four laps. Yep. From laps 12 through four to go, from 12 to go to four to go, Kyle Larson had the fastest car. So and Kyle in, Larson did enough to pull away enough after that amazing pit stop. That last pit stop is what won him the championship. Yep. It, it shouldn't come down to that. That's baffling, but it, the right guy ended up winning. So I guess that's the big positive when we talked about last week. The right guy had to win. NASCAR needed Kyle Larson to win that race. And, and he, he did. did. So all played out very well. But that last pit stop. He gained four spots. They said he ran a, it was a sub-12 stop. It was incredible. So sub, what, 13 seconds is probably about normal, maybe a little fuzz long. Mm-hmm. When you start getting into low 12s, mm-hmm. that's flying. I believe they, someone clocked it at 11.9. They knew before the final the Jack Stan dropped on his car that they yeah. were gonna win that pit stop. Yep. They were celebrating already. The Jack Stan drops, Kyle takes off. And he was fourth too going into the pits. Right. He gained four spots and really for a little bit there, right before Anthony Alfredo crashed mm-hmm. with twenty to go. Twenty four. Five, I think. I'm not 100 percent certain, but it's hard. Guys, other, you know, when you're at the right. race, it's hard to kind of keep track of everything that's going on at once. Right. But I believe it was within 30. It was within 30 laps left right. of the race. Anthony Alfredo crashed on the back stretch, and I thought at that point, Martin Truex Jr. had locked up. Mm-hmm. That race is over. It was. I looked at Mel. I go, this race is done. Mm-hmm. If there's not enough caution, just happened to be. Not after just after I said that, Anthony Alfredo crashes. Kyle Larson gets to the front. 
And it looked like from where I was sitting that You were on the front stretch, correct? Correct. Okay. It was right by the start and finish line. Yep. From my perspective, so watching him come off turn technically three, mm-hmm. if you count the dog leg, one, two, yeah. three. Coming off turn three, it looked like Martin Truex Jr. had a really big run on Kyle Larson. On the final lap? Mm, or Probably 10 to go. Okay. Six so to go. What happened? So Kyle Larson built up, and I'm just kind of filling in gaps here for you. It's probably boring our listeners. We'll, we'll move on in a second here. But like I said, from about 12 to go to about four or five to go, Kyle Larson gained a bigger lead. He, I think at, he kind of peaked at point, uh, about a six-tenths of a second, seven-tenths of a second of a right. lead, which pretty big. That's about three, four car lengths. Yep. Had a pretty decent-sized lead. The last two of the last three laps, so four to go, three to go, and then two to go, Truex had a hell of a run. He got down to just about a third of a second, or three-tenths of a second, a yeah. third of a second. But going into turn three, there was a lap car. And that last lap, Kyle Larson was able to use the lap car because Martin Church Jr. was running the bottom line. Right. Kyle Larson was taking the high slash middle line. Yep. Had enough grip. And then with that lap car traffic. It just held him up just enough. Held him up just enough where I don't think Truex Jr. passes him anyway. If there's no, not that lap it was, car. Chase Elliott had a much faster car than Denny Hamlin. And Chase Elliott ran, got to Denny Hamlin's door a few times and just couldn't pass Denny. Mm-hmm. Just due to the fact of how the arrow worked on the Gen 6 right. car. So I don't think... That it would have mattered. So uh, the instance I was talking about was a little before that. Yeah. Where it looked like Martin Schultz Jr. got a huge run, and Martin just chose not to dump Kyle Larson. Yeah. I be- I, it's hard to... I, I don't think he was close enough to dump him. I'll say that. I, we're talking about different times. No, no, no. I'm saying any time in the last 10 It was laps. after, right after the pit stop. Okay. That Kyle, or Martin Schultz Jr. got close enough. And then gave him quite a bit of space, which I thought was respectable. However, I'm like, I probably would have drove it in a little deeper than what Martin did. Right. So, so that's what you were for. Great time down in Phoenix. Yeah. I would highly recommend, if you get the opportunity to go do an event like that, to go to it. Definitely. Pretty reasonable price for tickets and stuff, too. So, next year, if you're in the mood to go watch a NASCAR race and a... Beautiful weather. It was 76 and sunny. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a breeze. It felt 76. It was perfect. Sweet. So so that's what you root for. Uh, I'm going to stay a little closer to home. Um, for me, what I root for, uh, kind of, you know, just one of those weekends, and, and you know, you have so much to talk about. We're going to talk to a lot about here, but I'm just going to kind of mention it here. Yesterday was the start of the college basketball season, and... That means my schedule gets nuts, right? Between here, my main job, and then being at the radio station for Green Bay Phoenix basketball. The Green Bay Phoenix men's program issue had a very, I mean, they still end up losing, so you know, it doesn't end up mattering. But for the first time in probably three or four years, I can confidently say that this program's growing. Well, because they weren't very good for last year, right? That was kind of a dumpster fight. They were like eight. Well, I wouldn't say it was a dumpster fight. It was a growing year. You had a new coach coming in very late in the the coaching process, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Comes in in like midsummer during a pandemic. 
can't recruit in person, can't practice in person at that point. Like they didn't even know they were gonna have a season probably until a few weeks before it started. I mean, pretty I much because the, the Horizon League, the conference of the Green, but UW Green Bay plays in, canceled fall sports. So they didn't know going like when students got to campus, the, the students that were on campus, because a lot of students were remote. You had a lot of um, hybrid classes that were in person one day or, you know, once a week, and then the next three or four classes would be remote, whatever. Right. When the students arrived on campus in August, early September, there was no guarantee of a season for any of college basketball, let alone Green Bay, considering, you know, what the Horizon League had done with the fall sports. Right. So for that to occur, you know, for you have a new coach coming into that situation, can't recruit in person, um, you're kind of just going on on highlight tapes, basically, and what you've seen from co- recruiting prior to that. Right. Very limited. Um, but for the, like I said, Green Bay with this new style of basketball, it's, it's the Will Ryan's, the Bo Ryan swing, a little bit of Gonzaga continuity, as Justin called it, which is basically just kind of a continuation of Wisconsin's copycat with a swing. Etc. It's all continuity, you know, always people moving. Can't let the ball stick. Very good things to see out of Green Bay last night with the, the first game of the season. And really as a whole, I mean, so many question marks around that program. Uh, both actually the men and women took uh, L's last night. Green Bay women program, you know that they're going to be pretty good. You know, they're going to lose some games, you know, like they ended up losing, I think, by 20-some last night. Little uncharacteristic, but it's going to happen once in a while. Playing a powerhouse in the mid-major level, which Green Bay also is. Very young women's team at Green Bay too. The Green Bay men's team, though, has always, at least in our lifetimes, has always been overshadowed, and rightfully so. Right. But for the first time, I think there's genuine excitement because there's so many question marks with this men's team. You have three. I think your top three scores are gone. Either, you know, they all transferred out. Um, you have a lot of unknowns with a lot of younger guys, but you also have some transfers that came in. Uh, one guy who's going to matter quite a bit to this team is going to be Mitch Listow. A transfer from Belmont, who's from Wisconsin, came back from Belmont to come back to Green Bay. That name sounds familiar. Uh, it's a, I think one of his brothers played um, a bigger college program, too. It's a okay. pretty big basketball family in the state of Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, so the Listow family... Um, he comes back to Wisconsin. You have Lucas Stever, a Green Bay product. He went to, oh God, I'm going to get so much shit forgetting this, but he was from Green Bay, went to one of the Green Bay high schools. I want to say Southwest. You have a lot, just a very good Wisconsin feel. You have a lot of guys. You have um, Kamari McGee, freshman from Racine St. Katz, down in Milwaukee area. You have a lot of Wisconsin product. You have a lot of Wisconsin basketball Product, which is one of the Wisconsin's very underrated basketball state. It really for is. preps basketball, and you have so you have a very homegrown feel. You have a coach who, I mean, you have Will Ryan, Bo Ryan's son. So you're gonna see a lot of good things coming here. From you're gonna see a lot of growth. You're gonna see a team that really hits stride mid-season. I think the same thing with the women's program. So it's just, gonna work you know, better and. The start the start of college basketball always fun. I mean, you have you had Duke and Kentucky last night facing off. Who won that game? I believe Duke did, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. So you have some of those big preseason games that top flight programs, Michigan State playing like against Kansas, things like that. So really, just it's the best time of the year for college basketball until the tournament. 
and you have Coach K in his last dance. You have a really interesting turn to see what the Wisconsin Badgers are going to do. We're going to talk about that a little bit here in a little bit. But Badgers basketball started last night. They get a win against, oh, God, I don't even want to know who they, I can't remember. It was like St. Francis, Brooklyn. Panera State. Panera State, yeah, pretty much. But you get to see their new young guard, um, the first freshman to start in their debut game since Devin Harris. Devin who? Devin Harris. Wasn't in that really bad Brooklyn Nets team? Uh, I think a thing of Darren Williams. Devin Harris was like a life, well, he wasn't a lifelong, but he was played for the Mavericks for like forever. Um, but Devin Harris was the last true freshman to start a game in their first game. You got Chucky Hepburn, that's his name. Um, he put up double digits, only the fourth freshman to put up double digits in their first game. Or fifth mm-hmm. freshman to put up double digits in their first game. Joining the likes of Josh Gosser, Butch Davis, Devin Harris, and ironically, uh, um, I think Jordan Davis, who's on the team now. That's some pretty decent company for Wisconsin sports. Yeah, so lots of reasons to be excited there. I mean, just again, and then you have, I can't even think of the school, but they have the silent night game where the first 10 points, they are completely silent. Isn't that Panera State? It also might be Panera State. but And then after the 10th point is scored, they literally storm the court, go out of their mind ballistic. Um, just one of those good times of year. So I'm really excited about that. That's what I root for this last week. So from the positives to the negatives, we go from what we had rooted for to the Tyler Hero Nugget of the Week. And I'll let you go first again, Ramsey. Um, I'm going to give it to the NFL again for the whole uh, taunting penalty. Oh, and yes. The I, Pittsburgh probably deserved to win the Chicago Bear game on Monday, uh, Monday Night Football. Right. However, let's stop with the whole... Mike Tom was talking about today, and he was like, I'm a fan of the taunting rule because like other kids watch us and imitate what we do. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think we need to worry about kids. Like that's the first thing anyone ever goes to when it's Oh, kids rule. are watching, we got to be role models, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, like you need to understand. Kids need to also understand though that these are grown adults playing a game. Right. So the whole taunting penalty and Last year, total, there were 16 penalties called for taunting. Mm-hmm. This year already has been 33. Wow. And I get that's the whole NFL's premise that, oh, we're going to do this. But let's not decide games based on arbitrary or arbitrary, arbitrary, yeah. arbitrary um, judgment. Arbitrary judgment. Because right. in the controversial moments... This show's awful. Terrible. Ramsey's over here throwing the microphone around. I'm just so pissed at the NFL. Bunch of nerds. The controversial moments of that game, the ref, you can argue that the ref initiates contact into the Bears player running off the field. And you can even argue he's already reaching to throw the flag and he like might have hip-checked the guy. Right. Watch that however you will. Make your own judgment on that. I'm not going to say that that's what he was looking to do. But I wouldn't doubt it either. I, I guess I don't really have much of an opinion on it. I really don't care. I don't even. I don't think I watched him on a football game. To be honest with you, there's. The, but it was even right before. Isn't the fourth? The Bears got Pittsburgh off the field on a long third down. Mm-hmm. The Bears, I believe, it was the linebacker. I was listening on the radio, so it, 
they were talking about the player I didn't really rep out of a Chicago station too. So it wasn't um, much on the radio on a Chicago station or listen on the radio. And the player supposedly taunted the Steelers sideline. Mm-hmm. And then you throw a penalty to let Pittsburgh back in to go down and get a field goal after that. Like let's let's just stop deciding games based on or if you're gonna call if you're gonna make it a penalty. Because I mean that's a game changer, but that's a personal foul penalty. Right. That's, that's what fifteen f- yards and an automatic yard. first? Yep. Can we just make it a five yard penalty? If right. you're gonna make it so arbitrary and, and such an emphasis, that shouldn't p- change possessions. That shouldn't change outcomes of games. That can very realistically change the outcome of a game. Something that happens after the play has been done. Well, and the worst thing about it is too, it's an overreaction to the Antoine Winfield Jr. on Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's the that's the this is all coming stemming from that. And he didn't even let, let's let's break that down for a second. He didn't even make like a crude thing. He just did Tyreek Hill's peace sign. Right. To his face, because Tyreek Hill did it to him early in the season. Yeah. Like that's it's just a that was probably one of the best moments of the Super Bowl. And I remember we were watching at your place and all you know, all of us except Armando laughed our asses off. He was pretty pissed off because he was not one the Buccaneers to win, but it was funny. And now we have games being decided because you want to overreact to something that happened in the Super Bowl that you thought was a bad look, but no one else did. Yeah. So I guess I don't feel you get the noogie this week. I might just continue to give you a noogie because it's just bad. Yeah, my noogie of the week, oh, God, there's a couple I had in mind, but they're all escaping right now. So I didn't really have a really strong one I felt, you know, too strongly about. Um, I guess here I'm going to go, I guess just with the NBA right now as a whole too, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of transition this into, you know, as we'd always talked about to start off with the, the Bucks. early season basketball is just so terrible. Well, it goes back to, we've talked about this before. We have, and I know I've said this one before and I know I'm just kind of, I'm kind of harping on something that we've, we've talked about multiple times. But it needs to be. It does. And you either need... And I don't know, I'm Mr. You know, don't shorten the baseball season, but you need to shorten the NBA season. You need to shorten the baseball season too. That's a different conversation we're not going to have right now. But, but you need the NBA season. It just drags on so long. We're a weekend in November, basically. We're in the second, the second full week of November, and this season already, like, I mean, there's what, almost 15, 20 games played already. Right. It's ridiculous. And none of these games matter. I think it's actually probably closer to like 10, 15, but yeah, it's like 11. But it doesn't matter. There's 10 to a 12, 13 games played already. And none of them have made a difference. None of them have made a difference. You have no idea what these teams are going to be. You know that the Bucks are better than a 5 and 6. Probably going to be 6 and 6 after tonight, but you know that they're better than a 6 and 6 record. You know that they're going to be there at the end. You know that the Knicks aren't a 7 and 14. You know, they're. Right now, seven and four. Just it, it just bugs the shit out of me, and I, I just don't get it. And here we are, another week of talk, trying to talk about the Bucks, where they're below five hundred, and so many guys, so many guys right now are missing time with you know early season injuries, which you happens don't happens every year. Happens every year. You're not gonna play a guy who's got a sprained ankle right now. It's like Chris Middleton. I know he's out with COVID, but a little bit of a different situation. But we don't need him anyways. Drew Holiday has a twist ankle. You're not going to play him right now because you don't have to. Well, we've said this before, though. It's an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Start the NBA 
Christmas Day, run it till second, third week in June. If it carries over to Fourth of July weekend, fine. But run it, start Christmas Day, run to June, cut the first, what, 22 games off the season? Right. Go down to, leave all your division games the same, go down to one game cross-conference, and it's a two, and you should be good, right? Like, just switch home and home every year. Yep, switch home and home every year. That solves your issue. But yeah, so I guess that's the route I'm going to go. I'm also going to bury... Uh, Michigan State, and also kind of take you know Purdue here in college football. Purdue knocks off another top five team. Took off the number three rated somehow Michigan State Spartans. Their second big ranked win in like four weeks after they took down Iowa three weeks ago. Good for Purdue, but man, what Big Ten? If Ohio State gets in the playoff, it's just because they're Ohio State. They're going to get in the playoff because they're going to win the Big Ten Championship. Sure. So then the Big Ten Champion deserves to be in the college football playoff. I, normally, I don't disagree with you. And I don't, I can't really see much rhyme or reason that a runner-up in a conference championship game should get in with only four teams right now. Even if they're a one-loss team. Let's just say Georgia because they're undefeated right now. If Georgia runs the table accepting the Big um, they. Uh, big, uh, SEC. SEC, thank you. That was going to bug the shit out of me. The SEC championship, sure, maybe they deserve to be in because they probably are the best team in the country right now. So Georgia's the best team in the country. Number two is Alabama. That's what that's what it should come down to. The rest of the teams are not on that same caliber. I'm really curious on what Oregon actually is. They're, they beat Ohio State. Yes, but they're a soft West they're Coast They're a Pac-12 team. team. Yeah, they're soft West Coast. They're going to come and get stomped by one of those SEC teams. Probably. That's, history would say that's going to happen. But Oregon should be in. It should be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, take your pick, Oregon, Oklahoma. That'd be four teams already. Take your pick of Oregon, oh, okay. Oklahoma. Okay, whoever, whoever has the best end of the season. It's not going to break down that way. It should. Be, well, it, it, it won't, though, because if, it, if Alabama goes on a run here and they end up winning their division, either they're going to knock off Georgia and be SEC tournament or uh, conference football game champs. They're both going to be one-loss teams. You can argue giving the nod to Alabama over Georgia and not letting Georgia in. No, two SEC teams should get in. But I'm just saying, you can make the argument. Two SEC teams will get in. Two SEC teams will get in over a one-loss Big Ten team or a one-loss Pac-12 team. A one, I'll agree with you on a one-loss Pac-12 team. Depending on, I mean, obviously, the only contender right now is Oregon. The contender for the Big Ten is going to be Ohio State. Alabama and Georgia will both get in over Ohio State. Ohio State could be three, but we still have to talk about Cincinnati's there. And I don't see Cincinnati losing, so they're probably going to get invited to the show and get boat raced by you think the so? SEC team. Yeah. And this is the year they get finally get in? I, I don't see them losing the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I think their schedule is a bunch of cupcakes, so they should get in. But we had a whole episode about this once already. They don't and deserve to be there because they're not the top four best teams in the country. However, due to the fact that they did not lose, they probably should be there. 
And they haven't, I mean, they will have lost one game in the last two years. And that was a very close game to Georgia. Well. Again, say what you will about that game. Talent-wise, it wasn't close. But. Georgia didn't want to be there. But. And that was Cincinnati's Super Bowl. So. Sure. You can never. But. You can, you, you, can, you can look at the game outside of the numbers. fact of the matter is it came down to a field goal. And Georgia still won. Right. Because they're the better team. Because sure. they have better talent. Yeah, without a doubt. That's, so that's not a conversation. That's going to happen. Cincinnati will not win a national title this year. No, absolutely not. They'll, they'll be lucky to win a game in the playoff. And they'll be lucky, whoever they face, to not get boat race. I'm going to be honest. I, I really I don't see a path that they get in the way that the committee is voting right now. They shouldn't, though. That's my point. They shouldn't be there. If they don't lose, they will be. Because that's going to be... If they don't lose and the committee doesn't let them in, there's going to be outrage by general public because we think life's a movie, but it's not. I got to also say, just while we're on this conversation, the, the amount of polls that are out there right now... Because I mean, right now you have three ranking systems. Ultimately, only one that matters. Right. But you have three ranking systems throughout the season that are just so inconsistent. And you have media, you have coaches, and then you have schooled programs, people who know kind of the ins and outs, kind of a mixture of both the media and um, coaches' polls, I guess. But they're all relatively close right now, aren't they? Right now as a whole, they are. But the difference between... I guess this is probably what kind of bothers me. So you have... A now what six and three Wisconsin team, right? Who last week was twenty one in the college football playoff, did not make either the AP or the coaches poll, right? This is just one example, right? You have teams like Coastal Carolina because the the way that the A and P and or the AP poll and the um, the coaches poll are basically just like a weekly who's undefeated. Who's played like one decent opponent? Who's undefeated from last year? You know, just yeah. it's carryover. It's power rankings that are so arbitrary um, that really don't mean anything to how the actual college football season <laughs> plays out until the start. You know, the, the playoff poll comes out mid-season, or you know, because we kind of built, ramp up towards the end of the season here. But then you'll see, like, you know, right now, I mean, Cincinnati probably what the. Actually, like AP polls are two and three in the country, right? Because they haven't lost, and then they're like six or I think they're five now, actually, in the playoff poll. But just, it just—it's so weird to me how arbitrary all three are. And I get why they are and how they are. Like I'm not—I'm not complaining about the process. I just think it's—it's it's kind of annoying at this point that we have. Why don't we just make one college football committee playoff poll all year round? Because well, and this is the other thing though, and. I will give it to the playoff committee. Since 2014, when they introduced it, the national champion, they have not got it wrong. No, right. I agree with and that. And that's, so I, that should be, the, like you said, that should be it. There, we shouldn't care about coaches, shouldn't care about AP. The people who are deciding the college football playoff have got it right every single year since 2014. Yeah. So that's that's my little bit of a gripe. That's what my little bit of a noogie is. College football polls in the NBA. Um, so with that, we go to some of you know the kind of a trip around Wisconsin. Uh, what the Buck Bucks are up by four right now with six minutes left in the game. Another game that doesn't matter. Um, got a big win, I guess, against the 76ers over the weekend or earlier this week. One of the two. I, I'm gonna be honest. Like I said, just it's so hard to pay attention right now. It's hard to pay attention, like. Coming up into the playoffs. 
Because they're going to be a playoff team regardless. Right. We know that, that they're going to be a playoff team. So it's hard to even care until the playoffs actually start. No, I agree. And, like, I mean, right now, I will say this. You're getting some good meshing. Yeah. And you don't sure. have your full unit yet. Like, Bobby Porsche just started playing um, a couple weeks, you know, a couple days ago. Grayson Allen's been a starter all season, and no one really predicted that happening. And I'm a big fan of that. I, every time that the Bucks play, I mean, he's always he's hovering around double digits, 10, 15 points a game. I love Grayson Allen. I do, too. I, the Duke guy, you know, that I've loved Grayson Allen since he's been at Duke. Well, aside from that Badger game. That... We're not going to talk about that right now. Okay. But Pat Conton, 14 points tonight. I mean, six till half of the fourth quarter left. But, I mean, really, you're getting your contributions that you need to get out of these guys. You're yep. getting the performances you need to get out of these guys early on in the season when they're kind of still shaking the rust off, going to visit the president, kind of. Um, and doing the, the champion parade, I guess, basically. The regular season parade. So they're doing what they got to do. I mean, you'd like to not see them have six losses at this point in the season, but whatever. I, I'm really not worried. Well, Golden State has, what, one or two? And they're not the best team in the West. No. That's just, they're interesting, but they're, at this point, they're not the best team in the West. Yeah, right now, your conference standings, Miami is 7-3, and three, Chicago Bulls are 7-3, and three, Washington 7-8-4, and th- or eight and four. no, they're 7-3 and three as well. Brooklyn's eight and four. Philadelphia's eight and four. The Cavaliers are seven and four. Right. This this is why. This is why early season basketball sucks. You can't put any weight on matter. it. But as a whole, I mean, like I said, I'm really curious to see how this roster shapes out throughout the year. Um, again, it's kind of going to be a, a repeating message, kind of on a week by week basis from now till probably Christmas. But hopefully, yeah, when Justin comes past in, that. yeah, probably. But hopefully, when Justin comes in, he'll have a little bit better to contribute. So we go from there. We're going to take over Justin's Badger report, as kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, Badger basketball got underway yesterday. Big enough win. They covered the spread yesterday. Good. Um, like I said, saw some really good things out of the freshman Chucky Hepburn. They're, I mean, not to put the pressure of, of this comparison, but very Devin Harris-esque. Willing defender, gritty defender. Athletic. Still has a lot to learn about you know, the difference of college basketball. Um, while I was sitting in the studio last night kind of waiting for the Phoenix game to start, you had Matt LePay and um, Mike Lucas talking pregame about the difference between college basketball because back in you know, the 90s, when, in early 2000s, when Purdue was kind of a Big Ten power, powerhouse, you had their guards would basically play full-court defense all 90 feet, and they would basically follow you every time down the court. They're playing that physical, and they might get called for it three times. Right. And once you can kind of learn, you can kind of get away with that a little bit more physically, especially in the Big Ten, and you're already a kind of a gritty, willing defender. Right. And you can already, you know, kind of score with the big boys and play with the big boys offensively. You're going to be a pretty special college player. Yeah. Um, so lots to look forward there. I mean, you have a lot of young guys on this roster, but – not a lot of guys who have, and they said this on the broadcast last night, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to be you know, witty here, but you have a lot of guys who don't have Badger basketball experience between Transfer Portal, guys who've been in the program but don't have necessarily game minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but really interesting to see what team they grow into. Uh, like I said, the Phoenix, both the men and women lost last night. Um, you know, Just kind of two different opponents that you're playing to. You, know, you look at Indiana State, 
has a first-year head coach for the men. And kind of a, let's see where they're at. Who's Indiana State's most famous player? Robert Tunyon. He's not even a football player. He's a football player. I know it's actually Larry Bird. That's the answer you're looking for. Then there we go. I want to say Robert Tunyon just because. Talk about the Sycamores. I know we could talk about the Sycamores. <laughs> Love talking about Indiana State. Terre Haute, Indiana. So, um, but yeah, just a kind of a good mid-major measuring stick for Green Bay. They'll go get the pleasure of playing in Madison on Friday to see where they stack up against the Badgers. Uh, Bo Ryan's actually going to be honored at halftime. His official return to the uh, the Cole Center. So kind of a cool moment. Watching his son might have some Green Bay green on. Hope you know, fingers crossed. But he'll be in all red. You know that he will be for the to be honored uh, at halftime. I don't really care about Bo Ryan anymore. I do, and I don't. I mean, he's still one of my favorite basketball coaches I've ever watched. Coach, I am fascinated by the swing offense because it's so unique, but it's so it's so complex, but it's also so simple. And it only would work at a school like Wisconsin. There's no other school, um, and it's actually working at Green Bay right now, but you got something to say? Uh, that's not facts. Probably not, but. Every school could run the swing if they wanted. Sure, but they don't, and here we are. There's probably reasons for that, though. Sure, but Wisconsin had 20 straight NCAA tournament appearances, basically. How many Final Fours? Under Bo Ryan? Uh, I know three? Made th- yeah, three. How many national champions? Half. Okay, I'll give you the half. <laughs> I'll give you the half. That was a... Okay, that's okay, fine. You didn't expect that. I didn't, but that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like I said, just kind of see where they go. But, the, I mean, let's be honest here. The real talk of, of Wisconsin sports right now... It The real talk actually should be Badger Volleyball, but neither one of us are smart enough for... Um, have the audience base to talk about that. So we're going to talk Badger football. 52-3 to against Rutgers. And kind of one of those games where, I know I can already see, as they should, right? It's they Rutgers. What was, what was the spread on that game? Uh, I think it was like 24 or something like that. No, I think it was, I started thinking like it opened up at 14. Um, but it was a multi-point, you know, multi-touchdown spread, as they should. But what I will say you look at the game we went to down against Iowa. Yep. And Iowa, very, you know, obviously way higher class opponent. Are we sure? The team kind of looks like a dumpster fire. Sure. But traditionally speaking... They're better than Rutgers? Better than Rutgers. Me and you are better than Rutgers, though. Well. I'm not, not to gonna, do it or nothing. I'm but. not going to go and say that statement, but I'm not going to deny it either. Fair enough. Fair. Um, <laughs> throw me off, friends. I'm trying to... Talk some mad shit here, but um, but what I will say, as I was kind of getting back here, very you know, big positive from Wisconsin again, game that they should have. I mean, granted, they're playing against Greg Schiano, who, for all intents and purposes, is supposed to be a defensive mastermind, isn't really, but it's so Rutgers. They still put up fifty-two points. Where That's is Rutgers? First. That's New Jersey, isn't it? Yeah, has no business being in the Big Ten. I hate New Jersey. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. But it's basically the armpit of America. And the late Wisconsin, but uh, whatever. You lay off the Thundercats. That's the name of their name. That is now. Fair enough. There's no other fans <laughs> of the Beloit Thundersnappers. Um, God damn it, Ramsey. Um, but yeah, anyway, so they go out to New Jersey. They go kick the crap out of Rutgers, 52-3. to Big positives. Once again, Braylon Allen. He is that dude. That dude is a 
beast. Obviously concerned about Ches Malusi's uh, leg injury doesn't appear to be too serious. And you you know you know he's gonna be okay. You got a, a game that you're again favored by multiple touchdowns. Badgers are a twenty four and a half point spread favorite against Northwestern this weekend. How much? Twenty four and a half. Give me. An... I'll probably take Wisconsin. Honestly, I would take Wisconsin to cover that right now over Northwestern. Yeah. Where's it at? It's in Wisconsin. It's at Madison. Eleven o'clock kick. Ah, twenty four points though. I'll take it. I at this point. I'm I'm enough in on the Badgers offense right now after kind of seeing them struggle against Iowa versus seeing them just kind of go at will, do whatever they want to do last weekend. The defense is just special. This Badgers defensive unit is beyond special. Um they're causing points. They're you know, they're get, getting points and getting the offense short field. So even when they struggle offensively, the Badgers have short fields, at least should be three at any point. It is a lot. Don't get me wrong. It is a lot, but I'd probably take Northwestern in the points just on the fact that's twenty four. Okay. I I think Wisconsin will win, and I think it'll probably be around twenty four. But you're not convinced it's gonna be twenty five. I don't think it's gonna be twenty five. I'd take okay. the points. Okay. I'll I'll give you that. But I mean, tickets still available if you're you know if you want to go to Camp Randall, experience what Ramsey next experience. Go! It's a wonderful, wonderful venue. Wonderful venue. Over under forty one points. Badgers are favored by twenty four or twenty four and a half. So basically speaking, you're looking at a thirty one or thirty two to seven game, and that hits your. That doesn't even hit your over. You'd be having to go like. 35 to 7 and you cover and you hit the over which I'm not in, I'm not convinced that Wisconsin will only let up seven, or won't give up more than 7 points. I mean, that's a pretty easy bet the last couple weeks here. Badgers officially the number 1 defense. The the money line in this game Ramsey is minus 2800 for the Badgers. <laughs> it's Northwestern at <laughs> plus 1200. You know, I would if if I were a gambling man, I would throw a little bit of cash on Northwestern. I wouldn't. That's I'm a, I'm a I'm a little bit of a degenerate. So give me the big wins. Oh, I am too. Don't get me wrong. This is not again. You know, nothing about the Badgers. This is in the fact that if I'm gonna make a bet on a game, I'm gonna put it something a lot more high stakes. That if it happens to hit, like I mean, you look around the college football landscape this weekend. I'm sure you can find a much better big bet game. I don't doubt that. I'm just saying that's probably the one I would take. Like maybe New Mexico State beating Alabama. It's a fifty-one and a half point spread, Ramsey. Oh, give me New Mexico they don't even, State. They don't even have a money line spread on this. Give me New Mexico State. You're gonna be fifty-one points. Uh, let's take a look. Um, I'm trying to go around the top 25 here. 24 point spread Arizona over Utah, or Utah favored against Arizona, I should say. Uh, that's a that's a plus 1200 point spread too. I could see that. I just like those big spreads. Well, I know it's bad, but I just here's the one I would probably if I was gonna bet on a game this year. Or this weekend. Purdue 
Ohio State, 20.5 point spread for Ohio State with a plus 800 money line for the Boilermakers. That's the game I would bet. I like that New Mexico State. 50, you're going to give me 51 points? Are you shitting me? <laughs> would, you, would you be caring enough to make that your Ramsey's radar pick of the week? That would be my Ramsey's radar pick of the week. New Mexico State covering against Alabama the 51. Fair enough. And with that, Ram, well, you want to talk a little bit about Green Bay Packers here? Last, I don't know, half hour of the show. Do I want to? No. Will no, I? we're going to. Will I? Yes. All right. Perfect. So actually, one quick note here. Um, because I have to, and I know that um, we would be remiss if I didn't mention the Milwaukee Brewers in some capacity. Congrats to Josh Hader, National League Reliever of the Year. Fourth straight year of Brewers won his third award, uh, only to be unseated by Devin Williams last year. So four straight years, Ramsey, the Brewers have won with the best reliever of the season. How many World Series do they have? They have none of that. No, I don't care. But I just want to put that out there. Also, did um, we get the the Cy Young has not been decided yet, but Corbin Burns is a Cy Young finalist. What are the odds on that? I I'd, I'd have to look on that, but um, he is one of the top three finals. Would be him, Zach Wheeler, and Max Scherzer. Considering I don't know who either one of those other two are, it's a, it's a lock. Well, I know Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is. Yeah. So that is your little bit of a Brewers news. So again, let's go from there to talk some. Grammy Packers. So, might as well, let's kind of start with some of the off-the-field stuff first. Um, not going to really talk about the Aaron Rodgers stuff because, well, quite frankly, we're not a big enough show to get canceled or to get canceled by one side or the other on that, that issue. I would just put this out there. We can't be canceled. You can only get canceled if you care enough to be canceled. That's fair. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you that. Like I said, though, I'm not. I'm not going to bore our, our listeners with more COVID nonsense that they already either hate or love. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, at the first concert team, firmly believe that you have a choice, and whatever choice you make is up to you. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. So, with that said, you know, plenty of drama there. Uh, David Bakhtiari officially activated from the pup list today. What a stud. Um, not sure if he will play this weekend, but he is on the active roster now. They don't really need him to play this weekend. This is so why we're talking about the pa- while we're talking about the Packers. Luckily, this division to me seems relatively wrapped up at this point. Oh, without a doubt. So you're playing proceeding at this point. Yeah, and the way Arizona's playing, they're going to drop a game or two again, right? And I think Dallas is a fake. Yep. And I think Tampa Bay is probably going to be. It's going to come down to Green Bay, Tampa Bay again. Yep. So. Luckily, they, Green Bay hasn't been healthy, but they don't need to rush people back either, though. That's a nice thing. And, you know, you see, I mean, so, again, Bakhtiari activated today. There was question if he was going to play this last weekend against Kansas City. He didn't end up playing. Um, not official if he will play this weekend or not. Uh, did not, unfortunately, get any um, indication of that from the Elton Jenkins show on the fan this tonight. Which, by the way, Elton Jenkins is probably my favorite. You keep saying that. He is so funny. I love Of all the player shows that the fans been doing in my five years of time with the station, Elton, Elton Jenkins. Jenkins is probably my favorite host. Dude is hilarious. Yeah, you keep saying that. I should really turn into the show. So not, not next week. Next week's going to be a Kenny Clark week. Which Kenny Clark's pretty good, too. 
But he's no Elton Jenkins version. He's no Elton Jenkins. So twenty fourth, night before Thanksgiving. Not saying you have to go to Green Bay Distillery because you know it's kind of a busy night out there in the world. But just take a listen. Night of the twenty fourth. That's drunk giving. It is Black Wednesday. It is. Just saying. Give it a listen from six to seven p.m. Maybe I might just show up. Maybe you should. Just chug beers in the front row until I pass out. I will not be at the. I will not be in the booth for that show. I'll put it that way. I'm not going to be um, in the booth for that one. I might. Or maybe I'll join you. Just. We'll see. No one wants to go out Thanksgiving sober. That's that's fair. So with that, um, you get Jair Alexander's been kind of around the practice facility again today. So positive signs there. He's looking at possibly coming back because I think the Zadarius Smith was around the facility today too. And he's been another one that. You know, and all these guys we're talking about, in my opinion, could probably be back already if they, if they needed were in dire to be back, right? right? At this point, even the Kansas City game, that was a winnable game. We got uh, the Rams this weekend. Seahawks this weekend. You said the Rams. Seahawks this weekend. You're looking at me really confused, but it's the Seahawks this weekend. I guarantee oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking next week. Next week's Minnesota. When do they play the Rams? Uh, sometime in December, I think. Why did I think that was this weekend? No idea. Two weeks from it's It's three weeks from now. They'll go Seahawks, travel to Minnesota for the Vikings, at home against the Rams. Oh, okay. So you're, you're close enough. Close it is enough. in November. I'm just losing my mind, is what you're saying? I'm not going to go on route to say that. But I'm also not going to deny it either. No, a little I mean, bit that, earlier. That works. I, now they're saying that. I do know <laughs> yeah. it's the Seahawks. So Seahawks this weekend. We'll get. We'll probably preview the game a little bit more. But a lot of guys kind of, you know, kind of getting healthy. I got to say this, and I, I'm, I'm before. Actually, I'm going to hold off on this stat. Um, one other kind of note, and I wanted to ask your opinion about this. So we talked about the guys getting healthy. There's one kind of, I don't want to say black cloud looming around Green Bay right now. But it's fun to talk about, and that's the potential of Odell Beckham Jr. being Green Bay Packer. So first I want to ask Ramsey, if it came down to it, money not being an issue because they're only, you know, the Packers would only offer him a vet minimum, he's going to get paid from the Browns because he cleared waivers. Would you want to see Odell Beckham Jr. being a Green Bay Packer this year? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay. I also do want to see Odell Beckham. He's still a, in my opinion, a top receiving talent. He's probably not a one anymore at this point in his career. However, I think he's probably the best two in the league. He's up there for sure if he's not the best two. And I think Green Bay at this point um, has an... Green Bay at this point has a weird dependency on Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. It's something like 51% of Aaron Rodgers' passes go to Devontae. Right. And that is absurd for a wide receiver. And not saying that Devontae is not good enough to take that, not saying Devontae is not, uh, I don't want Devontae to have that, but you need a little more help. And I don't think that, I don't think Alan Lazard is a true two. Right. I think he's a three. I think Randall Cobb is a true slot, not a two. And especially with Robert Tunyon being out. See, I'm really glad you mentioned this. Because, and, and just hear me out here. And 
there's a lot of Packer fans, and Odell Beckham Jr.'s representatives are kind of stating he's not going to make a decision this week or for this week's games that are going to matter. He's just going to take a few days to look through the offers, think about the situation, etc. So let's just paint a picture, if you will. Again, hypothetically speaking. Devontae Adams, actually teammates across the board are saying, you know, Packers and their media conferences today, we're very pro wanting OBJ in Green Bay. Devontae Adams said, quote, he had one catch for six yards in his last game with the Browns. He'll get more than that here. Right. It helps out Devontae Adams because, I mean, you can't double up on him. You'll have to at least honor OBJ's talent. Yep. Go probably one over the top on him and one over the top on Devontae, which opens the middle of the field up for Alan Zard, for Ro- or, you know, Cobb, for Mario Rogers, if you want to throw him in there, yep. for MVS to stretch the field too. When he, I mean, he's back in the fold now. You can get DeGuara underneath. You can get Big Dog underneath. You can use Aaron Jones a lot more creatively. I think Green Bay needs Odell more than people realize Green Bay needs Odell. And not especially with the Tunyon injury. Especially the Tunyon injury. And that's and for people that I guess I wouldn't say pretty much everyone listens to our show probably understands football enough that this is kind of be relevant. But when you take away a target like Bob Tunyon who gets open when you need people to be open. Mm-hmm. If you bring another stretch receiver in that we really don't have, mm-hmm. even I wouldn't consider Devontae Adams a stretch receiver. Devontae Adams traditionally has been a route running receiver, right? I, yeah, I wouldn't right. say that he's an over the top guy. No, the over the top guy in the role right now is MVS. And he's not a starter, other, or he doesn't play on other teams. He does. I think he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. He's a th- he. He's basically the role he has right now with the Green Bay Packers, but probably should use a little bit more in other teams. See, I don't even think that. I don't think he's playing a lot in probably fifty percent of the league. Probably the bottom, more bottom teams. He's a more of an option than what he is here. Because he's not taking big targets, right? And Odell is gonna. Odell would make the over-the-top. See, and Odell's like such a route runner too, though. The question about Odell that I would have and I'd be a little nervous about and something that Alan Lazard does not get enough credit for is how good of a blocker downfield Alan Lazard is. And in my opinion, he's probably one of the best in the league of a blocking receiver. 100%. And that's, that's where Odell comes in really handy. And so I'm not... That's my thing with Odell. Because I'm not sure if he's going to do those little things. You don't need him to, though. Because here, here's why. And I, I don't disagree, but... Here, here's why you don't need him to, especially with the Tunyon injury. Right. Because a lot of times, you'd have two tight ends between Big Dog and Tunyon. You go three receivers between Adams, Lazard, insert other receiver. Okay. Cobb, whoever. MBS, whoever. Sometimes you go four wide. And then you have your running back and your quarterback and you're up front, right? Yep. So with Tunyon not being there anymore, you can use Lazard a lot more, not internally per se, but you can still use him in, in that blocking role. That quite frankly, I mean, Tunyon was, had some struggles with the blocking game early this season too. And, and he, picked, he was getting hot before he got hurt, and he right. was kind of picking up that other role besides the receiving yards. Yep. But you can use Lazard's size and frame 
as kind of that chip block guy. Well, the guy who chips and then goes and runs a route, kind of runs a cross route, does what he needs to do, and kind of plays at you know that route. Because then Odell Beckham Jr. becomes Lazard's route running, and you don't really lose targets anywhere. Well, and honestly, probably the a big or matchup nightmare would be putting Alizar in the slot, right? Having Odell on one side, Devontae on the other, because Alizar's a big enough body of a guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is and he's that, a legitimate threat to block inside right. that slot too. Yep, where he can be used incredibly in that role. Like yep. I said, that's where a guy you put him in motion, you make him your blocking, like your chip block. And that's uh, that's a good spot for him, right? So if it happens, I think it surely proves it. And I know that this is kind of an oversimplified take the people saying, "Does Odell want to win, or does he want money?" Because if he wants money, he's going to go to the Patriots. He's probably going to go to the Saints. Those are kind of the teams that are there. If I'm Odell Beckham Jr., and you know, you're kind of let's be honest, he's kind of hitting that twilight of his career. He's still really, you know, he's still like you said, a receiver too. Um, he's not quite the number one anymore that people want him to be, but he's a he's a solid two, right? Sure. He's he's got probably. Conservatively speaking, probably somewhere between three to five years left in the league, if he plays his cards right. Yeah. However, if he wants to really maximize, because no team that signs him is going to sign him beyond this season, right? Or to more than probably the minimum. I mean, it's probably you're going to get maybe a little bit more than the minimum. You right. might get two million dollars. Right. So if you're Odell Beckham Jr., looking around the teams that are kind of courting you right now. And this is just, again, hypothetically speaking. We know the Saints are in. We know that the Patriots are in. We know the Packers are in, have offered a contract. We know the Chiefs are in, and we believe that the Seahawks are in, right? Those are kind of the teams all rumored to be around. And, and from reports, Odell's between the Chiefs, the Packers, and I believe the Saints, with the Patriots making a late push. See, he's not going to New England. He's not going to New England. He's, he's not going to Kansas City. I don't get him going to Kansas City. He's not going to Pittsburgh, because that's another team that's been kind of rumored around, too. He's not going to Pittsburgh. I truly think it's down to New Orleans and Green Bay. And I don't get the benefit of New Orleans. You're not a playoff team right now. Yeah, but he's from there. Sure. That's a going home but thing. But that's, that's a and New Orleans, next season thing. New Orleans is a playoff team. That's a playoff team in New Orleans. The, end, the bottom half of the NFC is pretty weak. Sure, but Trevor Simeon's going to be your quarterback. Well, and Taysom Hill. And, right, I said what I said. Trevor Simeon's going to be your quarterback. So if you're OBJ, and let's do, like I said, maybe next season he's not the Saints long term because they'll have Michael Thomas hopefully healthy in their situation. I know that their cap is crazy. I would doubt that Odell's going to go anywhere that's not going to be a multi-year deal after year one. So I think year one's going to be one year. Wherever he goes, he's going to resign there in the offseason. You think so? So does that rule out Green Bay for you? No, it doesn't. I think that Odell, from what Odell has said, it sounds like Odell wants to be on a stable situation with a playoff contending team, and he wants to win. Okay. So 
the three teams that's left, those are all three of probably the most stable situations. Reg- you mean so Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs Saints, Saints, Packers? Packers. Okay. Because at this point, I mean, we'll get to Jordan Love here in a second, but even Jordan Love is serviceable. Right. I don't think New Orleans won't. Or I have faith in Sean Payton that they're not going to get the quarterback right going forward. Okay. And obviously the Kansas City Chiefs are the Chiefs, mm-hmm. right? Like they will get their shit figured out as well. Everywhere else in the league, it's kind of been after him. There's a lot of turmoil in those organizations. Yeah, because Seattle's kind of in the same. Seattle is so lucky that Adam Schefter decided to be Stude Schefter that he's been recently. Adam Schefter is full-on playing the villain right now, especially with this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. He's kind of getting into trolling level that Mike Florio is. It's a bad space to be in. I agree wholeheartedly. I should probably should have made that my nugget of the week, but I can't keep giving them to Adam Schefter. People are going to get sick of listening to us. But People are already <laughs> sick of listening to us. That's probably true. Um, but I, I go back to saying, I mean, the Saints are so lucky that Aaron Rodgers drama hit when it did because there was talk leading up to the draft that, they were looking to trade Russell Wilson to Chicago. Well, and getting almost nothing back. I mean, they would have gotten draft picks, sure, but they would have got basically nothing back that helps them now. So that's kind of what I'm saying with being stable. Pittsburgh is far from stable. At this point, they're going to go through. In Pittsburgh, it's kind of a scary situation that you have a tree for a quarterback and no succession plan. And obviously, there's been rumors about Mike Tomlin going exiting. I don't or believe, getting canned for that matter. I don't believe those rumors. And Mike Tomlin said those rumors aren't true. But again, it's one of those things where there's smoke. There's probably a little bit of fire. Well, let's let's not even look at Mike Tomlin leaving. Let's look at does Pittsburgh after all this time say, okay, maybe we need a fresh face. Well, and that's the same situation in Seattle. Pete Carroll was about to let Russell Wilson walk because Russell Wilson didn't want. Jamal Adams a new contract before his left tackle, right? right? That's basically that came down to. And so Seattle's kind of the same about Pittsburgh is. New England has nothing but average all over it right now. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I have faith in Belichick, but I really don't think, I think what you see of Mac Jones today is what you're getting Mac is Jones longer. what he is. I got to say, and I know he's not rumored to go there because they've kind of put these rumors to bed. Bruce Arians' quote today on OBJ. Did you see this? I have. I already have A B. I don't need OBJ. I've got enough letters. Initials or yeah, I've got enough letters. I I already have A B. I don't need OBJ. I love that. That's that's gold. But um, yeah. Do I want to see him be a Green Bay Packer? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably 50-50 right now. For being honest, because I think the only real realistic teams that are still left are the Packers and Saints. And it's been one of those things, too. I've been checking it all day. Oh, I know. uh, I know. I've been so... And I I have actually been pretty good about not being on my phone at work lately. I know it's kind of a a bugaboo issue right now at our our workplace, but I have been looking at my phone just whenever I get a chance. Just to periodically refresh Twitter and make make sure there's no OBJ news. Yeah, and like I said, today, you know, between... um, I believe Rappaport tweeted out that he is going to take a couple days here to make a decision, which basically makes him 
kind of out for this weekend, which we kind of expected anyway. He'd probably be inactive this weekend anyway. Right. Unless he would have signed yesterday. But, again, um, he only makes Green Bay better. You can say what you want about the locker room presence. There's enough, I would say, enough stability in Green Bay from top down. And you can say what you will about the front office. Rams and I are very vocally critical of the front office. Right. But there's enough football personalities to kind of keep that in line. You have Devontae Adams who can kind of, he's the main guy. There's no question about that, that he's going to be the main guy. You have Aaron Rodgers who's going to basically, who's basically, I mean, the media pariah that he is right now. And I I say that as just an analysis of what's happening. I don't think he is. Oh, he's not. But what's being made out right now is that he is the face, you know, the dude's been talked about more in the media, but then a guy that actually, you know, former NFL player that killed somebody last week. But, and you'd think the rules were probably reversed, but I, it is what it is. Um, it's just more polarizing because it's Aaron Rodgers has been kind of a polarizing character over the last eighteen months, right? And that's just the way our media works. We find you latch uh, onto one and you bleed it dry for all it's worth. Except for here on the Rip to Wisconsin show, we're a nice wholesome show when it comes to that. We're pretty pro Aaron Rodgers for the most part. I mean, we are for the most part. Our our co-host who might be the most anti is not here. But, but I think I've been pretty pro Aaron Rodgers. You've been pretty pro Aaron Rodgers for the most part. I mean, since day one of the whole off-season drama this year, I've been kind of very vocal about what I thought things were happening, which not to toot my own horn, but kind of was proved to be right. So go Eric. But uh, See, I still disagree with that. There's there was way too much going on that that's not just no. There was definitely smoke. I'll give you that, but I don't think it was the smoke people thought. That's probably fair, but that just like this whole issue that he's had over the last few weeks now, or the last ten, 10 days. days. Not even it's it's been a week today. There's more smoke than probably the actual fire is actually there. Sure, but anyway, so we're kind of getting up on our time here, but. Why don't we actually talk about the game? We've been talking about so many hypotheticals and injuries, but we so look at... That's more fascinating than that dumpster fire of a game. It, you know, so I got a couple things to say. And I know that you didn't watch the game because you were at the race. and um, 13-7 to loss against, against the Chiefs, where Jordan Love made his first career start. St- statistically speaking, out-dueled Patrick Mahomes. Now, watching that game... I would not say Jordan Love was the better quarterback. I don't think that's even controversial in any frame to say. However, and I know this is where we're going to differentiate, so buckle up. The last, I don't know, however long we have in this episode, might get a little interesting before we talk about, well, we talk about this uh, Chiefs-Packers game. So I'm going to say I don't think Jordan Love was as bad as the media is making him out to be. And... Let's just say Aaron Rodgers walks away from football, like you know some people are saying that he might. I don't, you know, I've been very vocal on the fact that I don't think he, if he's, if he's not in Green Bay next year, I don't think he's playing. And I think that's something we both agreed on. Well, I don't know if you saw the. There's an article by People Magazine that came out or People dot com. Yeah, it was a, it was more of a Hollywood article, right? But they were inferring that he's even talking retiring at the end of the year, regardless. Well, that's that's kind of what I was saying earlier. And we've kind of been that point. He's too. been 
that was the big. I think the big thing this offseason was it wasn't a matter of him wanting to be traded. I think it was a matter of do I come back and play right now. Well, and like we've talked about on the show before, I don't see any other situation that he would be willing to go to. Right. And that kind of goes back to the LBJ conversation, really. So, anyway, um, but we look at, you know, this team. And Jordan Love, if he's the starting quarterback next year, or if he is, you know, going into the season the starting quarterback, because you don't know if they draft somebody else or they go make a signing or if they keep Blake Bortles around or maybe the Kurt Bankert laser show. Just made that up. Please start Kurt Bankert. Kurt Bankert Twitter is good enough. I just want him to be around forever. He I, can stay as, yeah, as long as he wants. Yeah, if he wants to be the practice squad quarterback forever, I don't care. The Kurt Banker mm-hmm. Twitter show is... You can come on the for Wisconsin show. The Kurt Banker Twitter show might be better than the Kurt Banker laser show. It is. And the Kurt Banker laser show in the preseason was kind of fun. Like, it wasn't... You could tell that Jordan Love is the better quarterback. Like, you know, X's yeah. and O's. But the Kurt Banker laser show was pretty fun. But the Kurt Banker Twitter show is even better. Even better. So... I highly recommend him as a Twitter follow if you haven't done so already, if you're on Twitter, Kurt Benkert. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Jordan Love. If Jordan Love starts the season next year as a starting quarterback, I'm not worried. I, I still think the Green Bay Packers are a NFC North winning team. However, however, I do think that there is work to be, there's a lot of that is left to be desired right now. It wasn't some fairy tale, you know, oh, this is the guy. You know, when Aaron Rodgers played against Dallas in 2007, the the last season of Brett Favre, that was really the only glimpse we had of him outside the preseason before, you know, in meaningful games, Mm -hmm. um, in meaningful moments, before he took over the job. And one game isn't going to, you know, Matt Flynn made a career out of one game against Detroit. He, He basically worked, you know, he was a backup quarterback the next five years on that one game. He was supposed to be the starter in Seattle. They pay him all this money. And Russell Wilson. They draft Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson beats him out in camp. He bounces around, plays with the Seahawks for a couple years. Then he's with the Raiders. Then he's back in Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers breaks the collarbone the first time. And here we are. You know, Matt Flynn's doing Matt Flynn things, living his best life, had an NFL career, college football national champion. Good for him. So well, I'm not going to judge a guy in one game. It was a lot that was left to be desired. It was, you saw probably not as many flashes as you want. Because when Aaron Rodgers played against the Cowboys, granted, they still lost that game that year, 2007. And he, didn't, he wasn't the starter. So, you know, granted, you know, you look at this kind of situation. Um, Jordan Love goes into the game knowing he's going to be the starter. However, that's not till Wednesday. Probably Wednesday's practice is done. So you're probably looking at Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Aaron Rodgers went into that game as the backup, whatever. You saw glimpses of Rodgers' greatness in that game. I can really only point to probably about a handful of plays where Jordan Love looked like the it guy that you would hope a first-round quarterback looked like. And the team rallied around him. I mean, even tonight, Elton Jenkins was saying that the command he had in the huddle, the way he was poised in, in the pocket, the way he picked up the reads, the blitzes, stuff like that, as a whole, was pretty good. I know there's a video kind of floating around of um, J.T. O'Sullivan, the former Packer quarterback at one point or another, his analysis as a quarterback, uh, coach and quarterback camp guy, uh, breaking down the Jordan Love game. And 
and lots of positives from a you know X's and O's perspective. But from what not the eye test from your average fan or your kind of a little you know bit above average fan down left something to be desired. Um, the touchdown Lazard was an excellent blitz pickup. Perfect read. Did not rely heavily on Devonte Adams. Like it seemed like he was doing almost all game, um, which young quarterbacks are going to do. Was amazed. I mean, I shouldn't have been, but was amazed that the defense for the Chiefs blitzed on fifty-one percent of dropbacks. You never see that in a game. I don't know why. Because they didn't trust Jordan Love. They didn't. They, they had were going to make him beat him. They knew what Jordan Love was, and it's kind of what we've been saying. And honestly, what the performance we got from Jordan Love on Sunday was probably what we would expected to see, right? He's as good as the team that's going to be around him. He's falling in that Baker Mayfield category of he's going to be as good as the talent you can put around him. That's not to say he can't start in the league. That's not to say that he can't be successful in the league. But there's two kinds of quarterbacks, right? There's a quarterback that will pull a team, the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's of the world. Mm-hmm. And there's quarterbacks who get pulled by the team. The Baker Mayfields, Dak Prescott's, Kirk Cousins of the world. Right. And I don't want to put Dak Prescott in the same category with those guys, but Dak Prescott's not carrying that team. It's a really good team and a really good situation for him. Right. Whereas Aaron Rodgers goes to Arizona with lawn furniture and probably plays the best game of his career to this point. Um, Statistically speaking, no. But what he had on the field... I still wouldn't go that far, but... the I can't name a better one. The pre-snap that he had, we have not seen that from Aaron Rodgers to that extent before. I'm sure there's a lot of games from 2014, 2015 when he had a lot less. Statistically speaking, sure. But I don't think... No, no, I'm saying you look at... I mean, even the, the, the playoff game in Arizona, they ended up losing... Um, with the Hail Mary to Jeff Janis where he had two bombs. We're talking about Jeff Janis. Let's let's take a step back here. I mean, he still had some top-tier talent on the field with him. He still had Aaron Jones. He still had A.J. Dillon. He still had time for most of the game, Robert Tunyon, who, I mean, he's not like a superstar tight end. He's not George Kittle, but he's kind of Walmart brand George Kittle. But you're talking that that was, in my opinion, the best Aaron Rodgers has looked pre-snap, and leading a team. He had a perfect passer rating after half, or just under a perfect passer rating after half. I'll give you it's the best Aaron Rodgers, and granted, you know, even counting last the MVP season last year, it's probably the best he's looked probably since 2014, 2015. I would say it's probably the biggest win that he's had since... Oh, 100%. We, that's not even up for debate. And I mean, he had a pretty big win against San Francisco earlier this year, but... So, but that's and that's where Jordan Love falls. Jordan Love isn't going to be the guy who you're going to send him with deck furniture. He's the guy you're going to need to put superstars around him to make plays for him. And I know that me and Eric obviously disagree on this topic, and I think that that's fine because I have a different opinion on Jordan Love than he does at this point. I, I think I think you can't base what you see out of one game. Sure, you can. He's been here 18 months. Sure. And but 18 months is a long enough time. Trevor Lawrence has looked better week one, game one, versus what Jordan Love did there. I've seen better flash. Statistically speaking, no, but you see flashes of, oh, that's interesting. Trevor Lawrence throws an excellent deep ball. Justin Fields on Monday night looked better than what Jordan Love did. And those guys, Mac Jones. Mac Jones has looked better this season than Jordan Love. 
And these guys are people that have just in the league as a rookie starting. Jordan Love now has been there, seen it all. At this point, starting a game has now pretty much done it all. And he kind of looked he looked like an okay quarterback. So going forward, if Jordan Love is my starting quarterback next year, I think you give him a year. Right? If Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back. Right. I think you give him next year as the guy. I don't think you're going to be wowed by his numbers, and I'm not sure that that's a playoff team with Jordan Love and the exits that are going to happen if Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is not there anymore. You don't have to go to some sort of a soft rebuild just due to cap space in general. Right. So I think that you go a soft rebuild. The offensive line is going to be good. You're going to have Aaron Jones again. Yep. A.J. Dillon's still around. A.J. Dillon's still around. Obviously, the receiving core is going to be what's going to be. Devontae is probably 50-50. Right. Robert Tunyon, probably not back till midseason next year. More or less, yeah. You're going to really be kind of pushing it to be probably maybe first quarter of the season, I'd say. Probably he probably about, comes back week three, week four. Right. Maybe give five or, or six, depending on what stuff looks like. So Jordan Love at this point, I think, can start in the league. I don't think he is anywhere near the talent of his contemporaries at this point. Like I said, I'm just personally speaking. I'm not gonna make one game judgment because, like I said, there were flashes. No, there wasn't. But his average pass attempt was five yards. Sure. And the Kansas City, Matt Lafleur told you everything he thinks about Jordan Love. Matt Lafleur cannot trust Jordan Love to make a play down the field. Kansas City told you everything they thought about Jordan Love that they're just gonna blitz him and make him beat you, and he couldn't do either one. He couldn't throw the ball down the field, and he couldn't pick up blitz coverage. So you can't do the two basic things that are needed to happen in the NFL. People don't blitz Tom Brady 51% of the time because they know Tom Brady's going to get the ball fast enough to the receiver. People aren't blitzing Mac Jones 51% of the time because they know Mac Jones will get the ball out. It just happened to be that everyone knew what Jordan Love was going to be, and Kansas City isn't dumb, and that's not a good defense. I don't care if you're blitzing 100% of the time. There's no excuse to not have a better performance against probably one of the worst defenses in the league. See, I would say this, though. I think, I mean, because you look at just even the first drive, they go Jordan Love pass to, I want to say, Lazard. I think he just misses, which not a great throw. Fully admit that. Misses his first pass. They try to run the ball. Third and long, they got to throw, right? So, First, you know, you go three and out first possession. I think up to the fourth quarter, they were 0 for on third down. Yeah, but what's the sign of a good NFL quarterback? No, I, I agree. High enough, high completion percentage on third down. I agree. But, like I said, I think it's, I think it's nuanced. And I, I, like I said, I think there's enough in that game where the blitzes, and it wasn't necessarily just Jordan Love not picking up the correct read on the blitz. He didn't have much to work with either. He was pressured, hit, and I, I don't remember how many times he got sacked, but there was enough times where the pressure, there was pressure sacks, which isn't his fault. Sure. And they didn't, I don't think Greenmake was committed to the run game long enough. And, and, and they didn't stick with the run game long enough. That's probably fair to not set up the run game, right? And that ultimately, because for Jordan Love to have one Sunday, you would have probably need you would if I would you know if we would talked on Friday or Saturday right before and we would record this before the game takes place even Sunday morning. 
for Green Bay to win that game, I said AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones need to combine for 170 yards. And so basically, take the ball completely out of Jordan Love's hands. No, I just would say that they need to be significant factors, kind of like what the Wisconsin Badgers do. A lot of teams run to set the pass, and then you can use play action. You can use but running the ball. So 170 yards is probably what 40 carries between the two backs. Um, with the way that the Kansas City run defense is, and this is something we, we know when we talked with Zach last week, when we still thought Aaron Rodgers was playing last week, because we recorded that Monday night. Right. Between AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, you can probably get that on. I would say thirty carries. Right, but how many times is how many NFL teams even today are running the ball thirty times a game? Quite a few. See, but that's starting to end that point where it's not quite a few. It's more some games you do, some games you don't. Sure, but this would have been the perfect game to do so. But that's not what Green Bay needed, though. Green Bay needed to see what Jordan Love was. And that's probably part of the reason. I'm not saying Green Bay threw the game, but I would say they needed to know what was Jordan Love was going to do in that situation. Sure. I would agree with you on that. but And he flopped. I, I still don't think it's a flop. It's not a it's a it's a, a D? C minus probably game. Okay, so I think a D you say C minus. That's not good. And there's not in my opinion, and again I didn't watch the game live, I kinda went back and watched highlights of stuff. So I guess right. I didn't see every single snap, so I can't really talk hundred percent. But my conclusion is what I saw the general consensus pretty much everywhere else I looked on the internet was that he could start in, and honestly, it's probably he's probably one of the better backups in the league right now. Sure, and and I think you know if you're gonna say that Green Bay wanted to see what he had, they probably you know, like I said, even that first drive they try to throw on first down, and get him in rhythm, and he misses the first throw. And in his, in this isn't necessarily in his defense, but in my opinion, in his defense, the reads were right, the throws weren't. If right. that makes sense, if that, if that makes sense. But that's the minimum. The minimum is making the throw as an NFL quarterback. And that was his not coming out of college that he would miss on throws and he was a rhythm guy. And, you know, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, who else is a rhythm guy in the NFL? Go ahead. I can't really name one off the top of my head. I'd, I'd say there's quite a few guys. I mean, I would, I would say, I mean, and this isn't necessarily where you want to be, but Baker Mayfield is. And granted, Baker had a hell of a game this last Sunday, so this isn't. This is as a whole. If we look at the the body of work yeah, versus I wouldn't, this Baker, season, I would not want to be in the same category as Baker Mayfield. But what I would say, I mean, you look at Baker. You look at, I mean, for a long time, Andrew Luck was. You look at, um, I mean, Tom Brady was for a long time too, when he first started. Very much a yeah, guy. but different r- styles of football that's now. A, that's not even close to what it is now. But what I would say, one of the big, I mean, the other big knock on him was decision making. And that seemed to not be terrible. That's right? so. That's this is what I'm ultimately before we wrap up because there's one more stat I want to talk about the Kansas City game. We're going to talk about Seattle. Um, so before I get to that last stat, because it, it pisses me off that this is even a stat, but um, the decision making was there. The you know he has the arm talent in one on one drills. You know he has the, the cannon to get the deep ball. He can make the throws over the middle. You know that it's there. It's a matter of putting it all together, which is going to take time with game plan. And one thing you said to me that kind of stuck out, and, and I 
been kind of dancing around this this sentence here, is if Green Bay went in the game to kind of see what Jordan Love had and kind of threw the game, then I really don't think you can judge what that game was. Because so I'm not saying that Green Bay threw the game. I'm saying no, no. no that I understand. I know what you're saying. Aaron Rodgers being out this week was probably the best case scenario, because that was a non-conference game in Kansas City. That if Aaron Rodgers plays, they win by probably what three scores, at least two, two. So Green Bay was obviously the better team, and they need to know what Jordan Love is to know what they're doing going forward with Aaron Rodgers. Right, but but what I would kind of just go back to that though. If you look at, if that's what happened, let's just, devil's advocate here say that's what happened. If you go to next season, if Aaron Rodgers isn't here and Jordan loves your guy, that game plan, I think probably, if that's the case, looks night and day different. They're going to continue to run. They're not going to just try to get Jordan Love in rhythm. They're going to kind of do what the Wisconsin Badgers do. Of just We'll run when we can and throw when we need to. But that's not the way that you win in the NFL. No, it's not. But I'm just saying the game plan looks different. And I think the, the result of the game looks different, especially with how physical the Packers defense was. The Green Bay Packers defense, this is kind of one of the, the things that unfortunately gets overshadowed in this game. We look at how, you know, the first, let's just look at the first six quarters of the season. The first game against New Orleans and the first half against the Lions. This Packers defense was awful. Right. And, you know, granted, they, I mean, they still haven't been, they're still not fully healthy, which is incredible when you really think about it with what you saw on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, and then they lose Eric Stokes minutes before game time, basically. Yep. Kevin King was the highest rated Packer football player on Pro Football Focus. And I think he was the highest rated, one of the highest rated corners in the NFL this weekend, which is mind numbingly stupid. But uh, he stepped up. He was able to, con- I mean, really, they contained. Tyreek Hill. Nope. They contained Travis Kelsey. I mean, other than the one touchdown. But that's kind of become the... And I don't even want It's kind of become the MO of Kansas City this year. Well, that's kind of become the way to beat Kansas City. Get a little bit of pressure on Patrick Mahomes, which... Play a lot of shell. And play a lot of shell deep. And that's kind of been... That's what Kansas or Tampa Bay did to them in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City's offensive line, their run game is not strong enough to get them out of that. So you no. start getting hero and game from Patrick Mahomes, and that doesn't. No, and then you kind of get the old kind of like what I mean, what Packer fan experience for so long with Brett Favre is, oh shit, what's going to come next? Because I mean, yeah. Grant, he didn't end up having an interception that counted against the Packers. Yep. He did throw one on a on a non count play um, that Adrian Amos picked off, but it was offsides. But um, when the jet when the Giants are almost beating you on Monday Night Football, and you're coming into a week and, and you barely can survive a Jordan Love-led Packers. I mean, Kansas City, I think, is going to figure it out long-term. But I think the book is kind of written on them right now. Yeah, and I think that they're going to evolve. But that's kind of always been the thing with Patrick Mahomes that I think I've questioned, and I think you've questioned too, is how much of this is Patrick and how much of it is that he has the fastest receiver on the planet He's and had he a has, good run game to this point. He's had the best tight end on the planet to this point, and a defense that situationally has been pretty good. And a decent run game. Let's be real. I mean, their run game up to this year has been pretty good, too. So you have all these things that are happening that are kind of starting to deteriorate a little bit. That defense looks old, mm-hmm. right? Even on Sunday, that defense, granted, they were blitzing a lot. 
But it wasn't the same defense that was playing in the Super Bowls two years ago. No, not against, it wasn't the same team that played against the 49ers. You know, and granted, they've gotten hit with injuries too. So, you know, you can't even say that they're really the same team that played against Tampa Bay, but they looked like they were the same team that played against Tampa Bay. And they're not, it just doesn't seem that, they don't seem to have that. And I've watched Kansas City a couple times this year. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that they're just not the same. The defense doesn't have the it factor. Not anymore. It looks like they're too old to have it. They look like what uh, Seattle looked like probably three or four years ago. At the end of the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Yep. And and that's that's the baffling thing to me about this. I mean, this Packers team, and there's so many question marks yet because they haven't been healthy. See, I don't think there's question marks. No, defi- but that's what I'm saying is they're so good right now. They yep. played so well this week. What are they when they're actually healthy? That's a, is it guys who are playing situationally just really good right now and kind of taking both mess of the advantage? I mean, is it is it you know? I mean, when Jair Alexander's back, and you can kind of have another you know a true shutdown corner right. versus you know Kevin King somehow being a shutdown corner against Tyreek Hill. What do you have? What do you have when Zadarius Smith, who is your current best pass rusher, which, Gary, Rashawn Gary played a hell of a game this week, and that's the thing I think about the Packers defense right now. The Jair Alexander injury is what it is. Defensive backs in general don't make or break teams. Like they help to have a good one, but you can get by with serviceable guys. Eric right. Stokes has been proof of that so far this year that he Russell Douglas has been proof yeah. of that this year. You can get by with serviceable. When you get and Zadarius Smith, I don't know if he's an elite pass rusher. But he's a top fifteen guy in the league. He's a pro. He's he's he is what he is. He's a Pro Bowl pass rusher, that's and a good locker room guy. That's a good just leader in general. And he's coming back. That's a probably probably eventually. He'll be back this season at some point. You'd think so. It's not been confirmed, but you'd think so. Um. But yeah, you get him healthy. I mean. You've gotten a lot out of Preston Smith this yeah, year. Yeah, I was about to say, Preston Smith has been... Very quietly, who came back on less money. I, I really, I mean, the jury's still out on Rashawn Gary because his critics will say he's not getting the sack numbers, but he's getting the pressures. He's just not getting home. I think the... Uh, I think Rashawn Gary is better than people give him credit for. I, I would have to agree with that. I think this interior unit is finally what it's supposed to be between TJ Slayton. Kenny Clark's been playing out of his, out of his mind, mind lately. Yep. Which, I mean, he's back. He's finally getting... The help that he needs from the other two guys between Lancaster, Lowry, Slayton's been a big contributor to that. You're getting DeAndre Campbell and even Whitney Merciless, who's been, you know, kind of playing in flashes here. But DeAndre Campbell is making the defense exponentially better in allowing, you know, when he's up the middle, you've got Slayton in the middle, you've got Kenny Clark in the middle. It really keeps the defense honest. You've seen big things out of Jonathan Garvin. At linebacker. So you're really seeing just a lot more depth in those spots that have been trouble areas lately. And finally seeing the whole picture come together just with a, a, whole, a new message. Yep. And I'm not and saying Joe Barry is the guy. But he's, and I was a kind of a Joe Barry critic pretty much this entire time, especially after that shit show of New, new Orleans. Orleans. Right. However, I from this point since then, I don't think they've been great, but I also, like we were just talking, they're missing probably their two best defensive players. Two of their three. You throw Kenny Clark in there, too. But even, even look like, I mean, DeAndre Campbell has been the unsung hero. And I know you didn't watch the game, but I know you've seen highlights. Chris Barnes 
Had a huge game mm-hmm. Sunday. I mean, everybody knows the goal line play. He was always around the ball. He was, I mean, he was playing so physically. DeAndre Campbell and Chris Barnes up the middle. And I know that they had high hopes for Chris Barnes this offseason too. And I mean, granted, so they, you know, they go sign Jalen, um, Jalen Smith for you know two weeks, cup of coffee. But they cut him because how good DeAndre Campbell's been. Well, they cut him because Chris Barnes is more physical. Chris Barnes is playing downhill, playing yeah. better, and he took those snaps away for like I said, a cup of coffee in two weeks. And Chris Barnes, I, I don't know if it was just enough to piss him off and give him competition, or you know, I know he had been having some injury concerns for a little while too, but. Just playing downhill and playing so much yep. more physically this week with the Chris Barnes party. So, Green Bay, you know, assuming we kind of transition here into looking ahead to Seattle this weekend, Green Bay opened as a seven and a half point favorite or five and a half point favorite, I think it was. As of right now, I think it's three and a half with the knowing that Russell Wilson's coming back this weekend. I don't think it matters. That Seahawks team is not good. And then you assume Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Yeah, that's not a good Seahawks. This should be a win. And I would say it should be Packers by probably two touchdowns. This Seattle team is not those Seattle teams that were here before. Right. That defense. Seattle's weak point of their defense is defending the pass on, from outside receivers. So defensive backs and safety help has been their issue all season. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any reason that Green Bay is let me not going to be able to take advantage of that. Let me ask you this. Jordan Love plays the Packers win. <sighs> this show won last week. Right. I, I would like to With say... With a full week of prep. I would like to say yes, but I don't know. Okay. Like, and that's where I'm at with Jordan Love, and I, and I would be critical of him... Because I don't think that he's on the level with his peers. Right. The peers that are out there now. And that's and honestly, that's probably not to any fault of him. That's probably more to the fault of the controversy that was created about him. Right. So I think that if the Packers go about it a different way and tell Aaron about Jordan, I think that this whole thing gets swept under the rug. And people don't care as much about Jordan Love. Right. But people care as much about Jordan Love because it was such a big deal this offseason. Last offseason and this offseason, quite right. frankly. Yep. So it's been for 18 months now since he's been here. He's been probably one of the most controversial Packers and hasn't seen the field. Right. So you bring someone Through like... no fault of his own, by the way. Yeah, and I kind of feel bad for Jordan Love because there's so much... He's in much, a no-win situation. He has to go and kill it. That's the only yeah. way he wins. He has to go and say... Look how good I am. Right. And I don't think he's that guy. I think that he's a serviceable quarterback. I've said this before. I think that his he has limited ceiling where and that's kind of the issue with today's NFL. You want a quarterback that has an unlimited ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I think Jordan Love is capped at a point. So do I think Jordan Love playing Seattle this weekend wins? I would like to say yes with a full week of prep. I think he's serviceable enough, and I think the team around him is good enough that he could probably get a W. However, I can't say that confidently. See, I, I would say this, and I think, and I, as I mentioned, the, the game Sunday, there's so many nuances. You look at, you know, half-week prep. He didn't have Devonta Adams to throw. He hasn't thrown to Devonta Adams ever. 
because Devontae Adams wasn't at OTAs. Then outside of some one-on-one drills maybe this year in training camp, he wasn't throwing him to a last year. Devontae Adams didn't go to OTAs this year when Jordan Love was the quarterback one. And then, I mean, like I said, one-on-one drills occasionally, but it was mainly Aaron Rodgers throwing Devontae. Well, and he, then Devontae Adams isn't eligible to practice at all last week either. Not saying that that's the end-all, be-all, but it's something. I don't think Devontae wants to be thrown to by Jordan Love. I don't know if he'll ever say that, but I think Devontae is team Aaron. And sure. That's not, that's not what I'm saying, though. But I don't, I don't think that connection to Devontae is going to happen regardless. And that's something that you run into with receivers especially. And when they get to the point that they're in the NFL that it's kind of one of those points that's like, I know what you... You can't fool a player, right? Right. You can't fool a player to say this guy's talented. They see through it right away. I don't think Devontae cares. I think Devontae's on the way out. So I think Devontae's just like, well, whatever. I'm on the way out. I'm here or there, and that's the only reason I'm here. Right. Yeah, so like I said, I think... I do think it will be meaningful, though, because at the end of the day, I think Devontae wants to win this season. Yeah, so do I. Because at the end of the day, if he is on the way out, he still has to play for a contract. He'll get the money either way, but he's still playing for a contract. He's still playing for highlights. You, you still need that connection to be there. You still need the numbers to be there. I don't know if he works as well, though, as everyone. I, I think that I think Devontae is a really good receiver, but he also has a really special talent getting him the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he works with a lesser talented quarterback like he does. In he Green did Bay. with Brett Hundley. Yes, but that was a short stretch, right? That was half a season. And it didn't really work. With Brett, with Brett Hundley, it did. Brett Hundley was like, I mean, that wasn't season. The, wasn't it the team that didn't score a point in the Vikings? Ravens. I'm pretty sure the Vikings, they got Maybe. torched too. Regardless, I, though. That was the season that basically caused Jordy Nelson not to be a Packer anymore. That was the season that Devontae became the one, and it was so clear and obvious that Devontae was the one, Jordy was now the two or the three. Which is sad. And, and that was what it kind of broke down to um, because of that season. That's where you saw the transition. And so at the end of the day, I think, I mean, if it's Jordan Love this weekend, I think the Packers eke out a victory. I mean, for jo- for the Packers to win, and probably have to hopefully probably be two touchdowns and a pick for Jordan Love, and you're okay with that. And then, again, probably 130, 140 yards minimum out of the running backs. Well, and, I mean, and the, if Aaron Rodgers plays, I mean, Grant, he's, only, he's not going to have any practice. He's going to be eligible to play Saturday if he passes his COVID protocol. In fairness to the running backs in general, Hasn't that kind of been the key to winning all year is when... Yeah, when they go over 100-plus yards. When they go over 100-plus yards, the Green Bay Packers look a lot better than when they don't, right. obviously. So, again, you know, they, the running backs go probably over 120, 130 yards combined. Uh, you're okay with Jordan Love if he throws a pick. If he gets, you know, if he throws two, three touchdowns, you know, probably a good enough game for a win. And if Aaron Rodgers plays, you probably count on... At least touchdown win, I'm, if not two I would, scores. I would hope so. So that's what we got, kind of the Packer breakdown. I'm going to say Packers win regardless of who's playing quarterback. It's a lot closer if Jordan Love's playing, but I think they win. Is it bad that I kind of hope Jordan Love 
Aaron Rodgers does some clearing Jordan Love players on Saturday or Sunday. I'm not gonna say bad. I think it's entertaining because you kind of get a better notion. I mean, he's at home, doesn't have to travel, gets the home field environment versus the Kansas City environment. Yeah, and I think that would be a. And I think, you know, you kind of can rule out the the idea that maybe they did play just to see what Jordan Love had, and they can kind of game plan for. Because right now you gotta look at their game planning for both guys to play. Right. And they're probably gonna have a truer game plan than maybe they did last week. That's. Like I said, I kind of. So I'm kind of pulling for Jordan Love. That's that gives us better content next week. So we'll see where that breaks down. So I guess just to finish off the episode, Ramsey, no NASCAR to pull for. What you're rooting for this week? What are you rooting for? Nothing. This is just the most depressing time of the year. No racing really in general is on until February, January, something like that. Usually the Snowball Derby is what the last week in January. That's kind of the kickoff. Twenty four yeah. hours of Daytona's coming up, but it'll be February. That's February too. For it's yeah, because Daytona's second week of February, so. So not nothing. Not not picking anything here. No, I'm sad. Fair enough. I'm gonna go a little bit of a different route here. I'm still gonna stay at Wisconsin sports. I find you know just with how again you know talk about schedules between Justin's schedule, you know our schedules here, my work schedule between this radio and my main job. I'm finally hit my bow stand this weekend. I get a little deer hunting in between now and next couple of weeks with gun season opening up next weekend. So I'm excited for that. You know, just another true Wisconsin pastime. So that's what I'm going to root for. I'm going to root for some, some deer hunting, maybe a little beer drinking. Hopefully both at the same time. Eh, probably not both. It's always better to drink when you have a weapon on you. I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to say that's probably been proven false many a times, but... Uh, I'm not going to rule it out either. So with that said, <laughs> Jesus, this show's awful. Uh, with that said, this is the Rupert Wisconsin Show, episode 48. We're in the books. I'm Eric. That's Ramsey. Justin, not here. Stay tuned to our Facebook, Twitter pages for all the Wisconsin breaking sports news and rea- you know reactions to games, news, what have you. Hopefully some LBJ news to break in the next couple oh, weeks here too, or next week or so here too. We'll break down the Badgers. We'll break down Cy Young. uh, It's Corbin Burns, hopefully. And we'll see what the Packers do on Sunday. This is the Rufus Wisconsin Show. We're out. See ya. Bye.